0: you think that you published a book, said it's not a big deal, all you need is a hook, then you lie about your age so you don't seem dated, a call from your agent and boom, you made it, so sorry we you think you're a liar, we're older and wiser. Hello everyone and welcome to Older and Wiser, a podcast about all things publishing and younger. I'm your host Marissa Cantor and with me as always is Kelsey Rodkey. Hey Kelsey. Hi, Marissa. How are you? I am doing great. You know, we're back to talk about more younger. Um, Charles showed up in a very underwhelming way, which I'm excited to talk about. Thank
1: you. <laughs> yes. So lukewarm.
0: <laughs> I was like, this is it?
1: <laughs> Honestly, um, if you were, I mean, to know what he turns into, this just seems like a ridiculous entrance.
0: Totally. And we will get into all of that. But first, Kelsey, what are you reading?
1: Um, right now I am listening to the audiobook of The Girls I've Been by Tess Sharp. It is very good. The author is actually also the narrator and she does an incredible job. And I'm just so impressed with it. I could never do that to to any book, let alone my own. But you know, I I think it was probably a case of they knew she could read it the best out of anyone. It's something I highly recommend.
0: Wait, that's amazing. I have been really excited for that book. I love Far From You by Tess Sharp. This is
1: my first book by her. I I've never read any oh, of her work before.
0: Far From You is so good. Okay. And I didn't know that she narrated it. That makes me want to listen to it.
1: I I highly recommend. I didn't realize she was the narrator until I started the sample of it and I saw that it was just her name again. So, uh, yeah, I I can only think of one other book that I've listened to that wasn't like an autobiography that had the author as the narrator and that is actually next week's guest, Annette (laughs) Christie, her book, Love Lessons, narrated by her. It's It's good when the the authors can kind of contribute even more to the story than they originally did.
0: Yeah, that is is just so cool. It's something that I could never do myself because like… Same. (laughs) I am excited to ask Annette questions about that (laughs)
1: next week. We'll have to, definitely. So what are you reading?
0: So I am like three quarters of the way through Honey Girl by Morgan Rogers. Oh, my gosh. Like, we've talked about how I've been in a bit of a reading slump. And this book, it just broke it. It is so wonderful and beautiful. And it's exactly what I need to read right now. Just It's just hitting me in all the feels. It's about a 28-year-old woman who just graduated with her PhD in astronomy and she's had her life all sort of really regimented and planned out and then the book starts with she goes to Vegas and drunkenly marries another woman um, and like barely remembers it the next day it is so good it's Morgan's debut and I'm just so blown away by it and she's already an auto buy author for me Wow, that's
1: <laughs> that's a great review an <laughs> auto by author. Uh, I see her book being mentioned everywhere. It's getting a lot of buzz, so it's something I'm really excited to read.
0: It's just so good. I'm and I didn't even I haven't even finished it yet and I'm already like whatever Morgan writes next, like I'm on it. Let's go.
1: That's always really great to discover an author where as soon as you start reading and, and falling in love with it, you're kind of just like, Oh God, I don't want it to end. I yeah. need more. And then it's it's those moments where you kind of wish that publishing was more like it is in Younger, where a book can come out super fast. <laughs> so you could have something else to read, but tragically that's not how it
0: is. No, not at all. And younger, as far as I can tell, is not publishing the quality. And they're like, they're doing the fast timelines and then the books, you know, represent that. (laughs) Yeah. And
1: and so far, we're five episodes in and they're not doing much publishing considering everything. They did one reprint, I think. And then um, Kelsey signed an author and then there's this uh, book release in the next episode. But in episode five, there's not much going on with publishing, period.
0: No, not at all. This episode is called Girl Code. And in this episode, Liza, Kelsey, and Lauren spend the night out at Maggie's art gallery but ditch her before finding out she's been dropped by the gallery. Diana's excited by the arrival of Empirical's handsome and potentially soon-to-be-divorced publisher. That is such a wild description. Okay, like, for those of you listening... They really
1: thought that they were doing something with this episode that they were not doing.
0: Like, for those of you listening, I literally just read this description for the first time, like, did not pre-read it, and it's just... What a wild way to describe Charles.
1: And especially just like his
0: introduction
1: in this episode. It's not like you. I would read that and then I would
0: look at the episode and be like, where are they connecting these dots? Because I'm not seeing it. I'm also still like the arrival. Where did he come? Like, where was he? He's the publisher. (laughs) He's
1: he's fresh off his divorce, apparently. (laughs) He's been taking some time, it seems like. Because this is the first time that they mention him when Diana said Charles and Liza didn't even question who that was. I was like, this is such a, it's just, I said it earlier, but it's lukewarm. It's just, they just slide him right in
0: there. It's all very, like Diana's crush is very heavy handed. Uh, The exposition we get about him is very heavy handed. (laughs) It's like, let's just like plop him in. He's only the other, you know, corner of a love triangle. But let's just like... Let's be unassuming. Let's be subtle.
1: I appreciate that approach where it's it's supposed to be subtle like this guy will slowly turn into Liza's love interest. But there was just and maybe I'm I'm blinded by my hatred for him, but <laughs> <laughs> there was just nothing there. I would as like a casual viewer of the show I would never suspect that he would then become a love interest.
0: I know. And like Honestly, rewatching it with, you know, fresh 25-year-old eyes and not like (laughs) 18-year-old eyes, even that like small encounter he had with Liza where they're like bonding over the books, I was like, ugh, like you're very well read. Creepy.
1: Okay. Yeah. I forgot this part until I was watching it. His literal first interaction with her is him assuming that she read the book he's talking about in high school. And yeah. He's not like immediately Ooh, red flag. This is weird. He's like, wow. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and I was like, um, excuse me high school as in like four or five years ago. <laughs> like, yeah. What are you doing Charles? This is the first time you've met this person. Do you even know her name?
0: He is, you know, his marriage is on the rocks. He is on the brink of (laughs) the brink of divorce. Here is an attractive woman who reads. That's all he needs. Low bar.
1: (laughs) Yes. And Diana was trying so desperately to be that woman.
0: And I I wonder what does Diana like
1: about Charles? Is it just that he's like the boss and he's um, desperate because he's getting a divorce and he's about to go into the you know, the ocean for all the different fishes that are out there now. I don't I don't get what she likes about him because in this first episode, honestly, he's pretty monotone and boring.
0: Yeah, and it's not even like he's desperate. Like she is desperate. Yes,
1: and it makes me so sad because Diana, you do not need to be. I love her so much.
0: I know. <laughs> uh, what a journey Diana is going to go on. One of my favorite lines in this episode was when Liza, when they're talking about Charles and Liza points out the London Award on her desk. She's like, 2012, bad year for books, good year for trout. I literally want to send you the screenshot of
1: my notes. It's the first quote that I have. (laughs) Perfect. Yes, you're right, Diana.
0: That could almost be the title of this episode.
1: Um, it's one of the contenders <laughs> on my list. I have Love a Guy in a High Bun and <laughs> Poison Mayan, sure. <laughs> but yeah, 2012, bad year for books, good year for Trout. It's just
0: <laughs> – it's so succinct. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that she, like, refers to herself in the third person and as Trout is just, like she's, – she's iconic. We love it. She is. I love her. I guess like we usually talk about relationships first, but I was just going to throw the publishing thing in here because we kind of already are and then focus on I'm going to flip it and focus on relationships for the rest of the episode because that's really what's going on because the only publishing thing happening is the repackaging of that book that Charles and Liza are bonding over.
1: Yeah. And honestly, it was so brief. That when you said I'm gonna talk about publishing, I was like, There's nothing about publishing in my notes. What are you talking about? But oh yes, they're repackaging again.
0: Again. Um, the book is called Things Fall Apart. It's a trilogy. I still could not tell you any like I don't even know what genre this book is. Okay,
1: well, that brings up a great point. You and I both have our our debuts are books that have fake books within them. Now I know it's different for books uh from TV shows in that they get to explain more and you have to kind of go in more depth uh to describe these fictional books but can you imagine if you and I had our book centering around other books and we didn't describe anything <laughs> about it except for the title our editors would not let that fly and so i'm just confused <laughs> They've done this multiple times to describe books that they just here's the title, you know, (laughs) really makes your mind work. Like, yeah, what's it actually about? What's the genre? Who's the author? Who's the editor? Like, I have all these questions and they give me no answers.
0: They never will. And it's really funny that you say that because, like, thinking back on editing what I like about you, like, one of my editorial notes was. We need to know more about what Fireflies and you like the fake book in the book is about for it to if it matters so much to my character. Like that was literally like part of the editing process was fleshing out a fake book within my real book. And the only reason that
1: I didn't have that same editorial note is because the fake book in my book was something that I tried to write as like a very young 20 something year old. So like I knew what it was about and I just (laughs) threw everything I knew about it into my book and that's just how it's going to exist, you know, because to be vague about a story that, like you said, your character like loves so much, you can't get away with that. Readers are going to be like us. Like, what is this about? Why should we care about it? Like the characters seem to suddenly care about it.
0: Yeah, they always give us these like super vague thesis statements that could be about anything, you know, like, but yeah, I also have questions about why Diana is in charge of an entire repackaging. That feels like a little bit beyond just being under the marketing
1: team. Yeah, and and she's like head of marketing, right? Who are her employees? Liza. Besides Liza. <laughs> Liza's an assistant who apparently also makes, you know, appointments for Diana to get an uptown and downtown rack. <laughs> like, like, it can't just be her and Liza in the marketing department.
0: So why is this all falling on her? Shouldn't she be delegating this to someone? She should be. And there should be, you know, strat chats about what to do with, like, everyone if it's yeah this big of a book. But, yeah, those were kind of – that was it on the publishing front, I would say. That's all that happened. That's all that happened. The bigger story is that Eliza is now in Kelsey's inner circle for the sole reason that she <laughs> removed her menstrual cup. Like, friend yeah. for life. That's it. You're in.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, what level of friendship does that earn you to, to do that to someone? <laughs> It's got to be like, you're instantly someone's bridesmaid at their wedding. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of Kelsey's take. She's like, come on. You're, you are one of us now.
1: Which is, is interesting. That does come back into play because, you know, Kelsey tells Liza, like, I owe you one. Whatever it is, I'll do it. And that does come into play by the end of the episode. It's just a little bit subtle. It's not as <laughs> in your face as when she says that she owes her.
0: Yeah, it's it was interesting to see how the show is starting to blend Liza's two worlds and how she is starting to get caught in the middle of them. Um, because I totally forgot like how Maggie was introduced to Kelsey and Lauren and how they made that even work.
1: Yeah, she's just the old Craigslist roommate. <laughs> which is just... I know Maggie takes it with, like, a grain of salt. She's very lighthearted about it, but, like, I'd be offended. Why can't I just be, like, <laughs> someone that you happen to know? I mean, as a 26-year-old, you might just know older people.
0: No way. No way could Liza be friends with, with a 40-year-old.
1: I know, right? You you got me. <laughs>
0: I'm how wrong. is that even possible?
1: Yeah, that's how they, they make it seem, and – I, I definitely did not notice the all the ageism the first time I watched this, but it's just like hitting you over the head with a hammer.
0: Oh my god, I know. Like that's where I was gonna go next, actually, which is when Liza and Kelsey apparently made this middle age murder pact. Like you would rather die than turn forty. Like what? 40 is not old. <laughs> I and I know, know that's like what
1: we're supposed to get out of this, but before even turning 40, you're just gonna have someone poison your insure. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that Liza is so drunk and so like high on this young life that she <laughs> she agrees to something like that. Like, you're already 40, Liza. Don't forget.
0: Yeah, you should you should be dead.
1: Someone should have killed you by now, put you out of your misery. And that kind of really goes into um, that this is the first time we're seeing Liza's lie like directly affect her friendship and her life. So she wasn't Mm -hmm. there for Maggie when Maggie needed her, as the episode description said. And it's kind of like a nice growing moment. Like you said, her her two lives are like bleeding together and she has to kind of see how she fits into it, how she can make them both work mm-hmm. with each other. And Maggie and Lauren are very much like two sides of the same coin. Yeah. So it feels like instantly Maggie should be accepted, but it's just their, their age hatred so much that makes them not like her at first. So it, it was kind of nice to see by the end that since Kelsey owed Liza- for the diva cup retrieval (laughs) uh, that, that they could help Maggie out and they kind of welcomed her by extension into their friendship. There's really nothing more I hate in film or television where it's just like unnecessary women hatred, like women hating other women or tearing them down. So I feel like this is a good step in the right direction towards that ending.
0: Yeah. And also shout out to Jess, Kelsey, and Lauren's third friend that I don't think that we will ever see again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Who was she? She's just someone that like kind of desperately wants to have a threesome with Lauren, it seems like. Yes. And Lauren was basically like, I have high expectations. No, high standards. I have high standards.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's a whole thing. The man bun. That's pretty much it, I think.
1: Yeah, this this is gonna end up being a really short episode because there's there was no publishing,
0: no publishing. It was all uh, friendships, which
1: which I appreciate, but I feel like there was also a way they could have introduced more publishing to the plot, which I guess we could segue into our critique partner section for that. Um, the only problem is I do not have a way that they could have incorporated more publishing.
0: I think it's okay that there wasn't a lot. It it doesn't give us a lot to talk about, unfortunately, but it does give you know the show some space to breathe and lean into the friendships.
1: I do think that there there is an intentional, uh, like you said, like a, some space to breathe because publishing is a big industry, but we're not the only people watching this show. So they do have to sometimes have ridiculous things that make publishing seem more interesting, or they have to leave the publishing out. And I think if you're going to leave the publishing out of this publishing show, this was a good good way to do it. You know, this was an important moment for Liza and her lies and her friends. So uh, I consider it overall a successful episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, most people are not watching this show for the publishing. Weird, right?
1: It seems weird. Like that's why I started watching it. But, you know, yeah, other people will find it for other reasons. You know, there's a Hillary Duff fan out there who <laughs> just wanted to watch it for her. So, we get it.
0: My critiques that I noted, kind of what we already talked about with Diana, like why is this whole repackaging just on the head of marketing? Where is a team? Where where is sales? Where is publicity which oh will will we get into publicity in the next episode Kelsey let me tell you <laughs> I can't wait <laughs> And also um just like that well again what we've already discussed about Charles's introduction and I don't know what I would have preferred to happen I just know I'm not satisfied with what I got
1: Yes because in the romantic slow burn trope there has to be something interesting there has to be some kind of conflict with the initial meeting, and there really wasn't. They, I think, they tried to have a spark there, like oh, they both like these books, but that's really lame. We get it; it's a show about publishing. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but uh, yeah, I feel like for this slow burn to have time and space to develop, I, I just feel like nobody's going to look at Charles and Liza's first interaction and think that that's the relationship that's going to bloom. If anything, I'd be more sure that there'd be a relationship between Kelsey and Liza than there would be between Charles and Liza like there's there's no chemistry, there's nothing lingering because you know, um, spoil alert for the next episode, Charles isn't in it <laughs> just he's barely in this season um, so it's just it's a very unique way to approach this potential love. Interest. I mean, they just they give him nothing.
0: Yeah, this was not a meet cute at all. No, and you know the book thing could have worked if we knew what that goddamn book was about, and it could have informed their characters in some way. But as it did not, they could have. um,
1: Because we know nothing about the books. I don't think they even mentioned like when they were published. But Charles says they should be like required reading in high school. Whatever. Uh, I think that like I don't know it could have been more intriguing if right off the bat he's like, why would this young person have read this book? I only know old people that write yeah. that read this book. But again, nothing. <laughs> it was like, oh, of course she read it in high school.
0: And I am not turned off by that. <laughs> like <laughs> I am still going to check her out with that information. I'm keep an eye on her.
1: <laughs> it's just oh. Awful! What a weird introduction. I'm excited for the next time he comes on to the show, actually, because there has to be some kind of redemption.
0: There, there has to be. I, I think the fact that we remember so little of it, though, is a true indication. And like, the more we are diving into this, the more I'm just convincing myself that okay, like Josh has to be endgame, just based on how this is all set up. There's
1: just. There's immediate chemistry between Josh and Liza. There's immediate conflict and tension, and there's just nothing with Charles. She's just another employee of his however many employees he has, which right now it feels like three. But yeah, it's just just another daily interaction for him. There was nothing there.
0: Which like in all fairness, maybe like as there should be considering.
1: True. Very true.
0: I don't know. It's very. All of my thoughts are very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> because because he he like we
1: know sees her as a young person, but we know she's not. Yeah. It's gonna get so messy, and I'm so excited. But for now, I would forget all about Charles if you know he never showed up again.
0: Uh, it really does just go to show how like everything about this series just sort of blends into one continuous episode. It
1: feels like that, and I'm. I was kind of feeling like that was a bad thing at first, but now it's kind of nice. I feel like the episodes probably could have been hour-long episodes, and it might have ended up being a better format. Yeah. Like combining the first and the second episode, the third and the fourth episode, etc. I think that it would give more time for the publishing plot lines, but it would also help with the relationships to see how they really grow, because um, something I think that half-hour TV shows tend to do is they really like compartment no no the thing about half hour tv shows is that they they really i can't say the word compartmentalize the thing about half an hour tv shows honestly just keep this in i can't speak that's why i'm a writer They really kind of condense things into a half hour format. (laughs) And and then like um, on your other podcast, you talk about it a lot with the uh, with Lizzie McGuire, things that they learn and do in one episode is rarely carried over to the next episode. And I feel like while younger doesn't necessarily do that, there is more growth over the course of the season. It does feel like, the issues that should matter more are are shrunk They're, You know, the whole issue with Maggie, this episode was kind of a non issue. She was just sort of mad in general with what she did and what happened to her. Not necessarily that Liza has her other life, but because we can only give like five to ten minutes to her, you know, um, it feels like something bigger should have happened. But it's really been uh, kind of shrunken down
0: yeah, and that conflict was just so conveniently neatly tied up in a bow by the end, like, oh, yeah, look. and that's something that would
1: affect them every day. But we're going to see it for this couple minutes, and then it's solved. so i think I think it could be a longer show if they wanted to. And I think it would do it justice um and give the story time to grow and breathe better. And it would also leave us with more things to talk about on the episodes that (laughs) there's (laughs) nothing publishing going on because there would be then.
0: (laughs) Definitely. I think that this segues nicely into the six-figure advance. I almost said MVP. Not this podcast, Marissa. But But
1: honestly, my answer is also the MVP. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who do you have this week?
0: I don't know that – Anybody, any singular character really stood out to me in this episode. I feel like it was Maggie's episode for me, if anything. Um, so I am going to give it to Maggie for calling Liza out on her shit and continuing to be the lesbian hero friend that we all need.
1: The old Craigless lady. <laughs>
0: She also yeah. is the inspiration of we didn't even mention that there was um an older and wiser drop in this episode. Oh yes.
1: <laughs> yes. It's just nice to have an older, wiser person around sometimes. Boom. And we have to agree.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even plan I I that.
1: No, I, I didn't realize they said that. But I mean you kind of figure it has to be said at some point during all these seasons. So I'm glad we got it. And I'm glad it was about Maggie. (laughs) Yes. Um, She would actually be my six figure advance as well. Not only for standing up to Liza and kind of, I I think it's important when a character can kind of voice their actual hurts and complaints, you know, they're honest and open because they want to resolve an issue. So I appreciate that she can do that to Liza and kind of, get her back on the the right path. But I also appreciate that she stood up for herself to fill the gallery owner about promoting her show, even though it ended up with her getting fired. I I think that it was the right thing for her to do. It did end up well. She got her own gallery uh, thanks to Lauren and Kelsey and the Diva Cup. And um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like as an author, You've done a lot of self-promotion, but there is only so much that we can do. We kind of need some help. (laughs) Um, And so I appreciate that Maggie stood up for herself and said, hey, you got to promote my work or else, you know, no one's going to show up. No one's going to buy anything.
0: No, but that's so true. There's only so much that we, the artist, can do. That's why we – sign with a publisher or in Maggie's case with a gallery to have the the distribution and the resources to get our, our our art out in the world and if no one is no one's doing the work it's 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 a tough life i need to start keeping better track of this i need to start a spreadsheet i'm just kind of like writing them down in my notes every week because there will be a winner uh, <laughs> there will they receive nothing
1: I feel like we're the editors going to bat for like, these are our authors and we want them to get the book deal. (laughs) And by the end, it's decided who gets the book deal. Yes.
0: So yeah, I think that that is a wrap on Younger season one, episode five, Girl Code. A fun female friendship episode with a heck of a lot of ageism sprinkled in as one does on Younger. Yes. And
1: I think it will eventually go away, thankfully, but uh, we're, we're still in the thick of it.
0: Definitely. Kelsey, do you have any podcast recommendations to close us out this week?
1: I do have a recommendation. It's fairly new as of the time of recording. Um, it's called On the Books and it's hosted by YA author Rachel Lippincott and her best friend Liana Rana. And they essentially are interviewing authors kind of as they pitched it in the sense of, you know, in the, in the fashion of Vogue 73 questions that they do. So it's like an interview for authors, but about more than publishing, it seems like it's going to be. And I'm really excited to hear more. They have a really good uh, easygoing banter back and forth. And since they've known each other for a long time, um, it kind of adds to the humor because uh, as listeners will hear in the first introduction episode, they make fun of Rachel Lippincott's long arms for several minutes, and it's all it's all very good fun. And uh, yeah, I recommend it. I can't wait to see where it goes and who they interview. Uh, their first guest is going to be Laura Taylor Naney, and she actually blurbed my book. So I'm excited to hear what she has to say.
0: Cool. I'm also very excited to tune in. I love podcasts where the hosts clearly know each other very well and that sort of like authentic banter and relationship comes through. Yes. It it makes it very easy listening. Definitely. Now we are closing the book on this episode of Older and Wiser. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OlderWiserCast. Of course, I cannot say goodbye without plugging the other paginated media podcasts. On Tuesdays, we have The Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast hosted by myself and Sam Chung. And every Thursday, we have Crowning Around, a crown recap podcast hosted by Sam Chung, Ivan Vukovic, and Carlin Greenwald. I'm at Marissa Cantor on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm
1: at Kelsey Rodkey on Twitter and at K Rod K on Instagram.
0: Kelsey and I will be back next Wednesday to talk all things publishing in Younger, recapping Younger season one, episode six, Sheedanism.
1: We'll see you next Wednesday to continue our discussion of all things publishing on Younger.
0: The end. <laughs>